0: Hello, Texas. Thanks for joining us
1: for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the
2: Rio Grande Valley the impact of the late springtime rainfall on Central Texas crops and pastures. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
3: It's been nice to get relief from what had been an agonizing stretch of dry weather, but a prolonged rainy spell for the Texas high plains has complicated things for our cotton farmers. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
4: JBS, one of the world's largest meat packers, was hit by a cyber attack. But the impact on the beef supply chain is unknown. I'm Chad Smith, and I'll have that story from Washington coming up on Texas Ag
1: Today. We'll have those stories plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Meat processor JBS suffered a cyber attack over the weekend and that shut down some Texas meat processing facilities. Jessica Domal has the story.
5: JBS said Monday, it has been the target of an organized cybersecurity attack impacting its servers supporting North American and Australian IT systems. As a result, the majority of its operations in Australia were shut down Monday, according to Reuters. Some shifts at large U.S. and Canadian facilities were impacted Tuesday, including the JBS plant in Cactus and the Pilgrims plant in Nacogdoches. Only maintenance, material handling, and freezers were scheduled to work at the JBS beef plant in Cactus Tuesday. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The rain has been
1: welcome over the past month. However, cool overcast conditions can slow grass growth for livestock producers. Andy Holloway is an AgriLife County agent in Hemphill County.
6: All plants have the same kind of design for the most part and grass is no exception as it compares to crops, row crops like you were talking about. Grass needs sunshine. It needs a certain amount of Moisture, of course, but it also needs time to have sunshine, to have photosynthesis, and do the things that it does in order to reproduce and and then to grow and do the things that we need it to do to provide for our livestock and wildlife out in our rangelands.
1: But Holloway says this cool weather is great for feedlots.
6: Well, like for the feed yards, we don't want the feed yards to be muddy and wet. That's difficult for gains, but if it's just cool, it's ideal for gains. These cool nights and cool days, without too much mud in these yards, these cattle are blowing and going.
1: Hemp Hill County agent Andy Holloway. The late springtime rain continues to fall in central Texas. Tom Nicoletti talks with an area extension agent about it.
2: We go to Central Texas now, and Dr. Shane McClellan joins us as uh, he gives us an update on the crop and livestock uh, condition here uh, at the uh, beginning of June. And Shane, certainly uh, the rainfall in late May has helped uh, farmers and ranchers in uh, your region of the state.
7: Yes, it has, Tom. It reminds us of of 2019 when we couldn't get in the wheat field to harvest wheat or oats and we couldn't get in the, in the pastures to harvest our hay crop. Just a lot of rain, more than normal, very wet for this time of year. Most of our ag producers would really like a two-week window just to get some weed out and then to cut hay and allow it to dry properly so we can bail it and have it available for, for hay for later on in the year.
2: Aside from uh, the delayed harvest of those crops, uh, how do the uh, row crops look uh, around the Central Texas uh, Blacklands region?
7: Really good for some, not as good for others. Corn, grain sorghum, uh, are enjoying this weather. It's almost like we're in the Midwest. We've got high temperatures in the 80s, and then we've had so much moisture kind of spread out over time. And most of these rainfall events haven't been really big rainfall events to the point of doing a lot of damage, but they have been big as far as providing us plenty of, of slow soaking rain. Corn looks really good. Uh, ahead of schedule, honestly. We do need some dry weather when corn is in, hitting pollination. And right now, we've got a lot of tassels coming out on corn. We'll be entering that pollination stage here in a, in a couple of days. Really need dry weather for pollination for occur in grain sorghum. Cotton could really use a lot of sunshine. A lot of our cotton had to be replanted. And uh, as that plant was growing, it doesn't like really wet going conditions. We do need some dry weather. Conditions are good. Nobody's really in panic
2: mode. From a livestock standpoint, how are the cattle uh, faring on uh, grazing those uh, green pastures?
7: Pastures look good. Best they've looked in probably two years. Ample forage. A lot of our cool season annuals are drying down. And then all of our warm season grasses are finally responding to moisture and to some sunlight. Uh, Bermuda grass, or native pastures are all looking really good. Ample grazing right now. And if we can continue to carry this weather a little bit further into the summer months, it would be even better.
2: Certainly, of course, uh, the next uh, three months will tell the story as to uh, crop production and how uh, farmers and ranchers will fare by the end of the season.
7: Really will. Always joke about it being dust or mud here in Central Texas. Uh, right now, we're over in the mud, and uh, it's, it's a good thing.
2: That is Dr. Shane McClellan with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service in McLennan County of Central Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The prolonged rainy spell for the
1: Texas High Plains has complicated things for cotton growers there. James Hunt has more from Amarillo.
6: We're never going to complain about a rain here on the High Plains of Texas, but certainly is planting time, and things have to be done in a timely basis.
3: That's Steve Varet of Plains Cotton Growers talking about the amazing stretch of rainy weather we've had across the region in recent weeks. It's been a welcome development overall, as Varet suggested, but some area cotton farmers either have missed their planting deadlines for crop insurance or are in danger of doing so in the next few days.
6: There is a late planting period for cotton of seven days and each day beyond the final plant date whatever that might be for the area you're in you take a one percent reduction in coverage for each day that you go past the final plant date now once you get beyond the late planting period or seven days after the final plant date then it becomes an uninsurable crop
3: as for reports of hail wiping out some early planted cotton around the area Barrett says that does not appear to have been a widespread situation.
6: We don't think it's any high percentage at this point, James. I think the biggest concern going on right now among cotton producers is whether they can get the crop planted timely and even where they have the crop planted the rains and the cool weather that we've had, what kind of effect is that going to have on emergence and even cotton? It's up as far as it being able to grow off and maybe do that without contracting any disease. For the most part, we're really in a time period now where we need some open weather, some sunshine so that uh, the crops that have been planted can emerge and get to growing. And that that hasn't been planted, folks can get in the field and get that finished up here in the next week to 10 days.
3: I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: The JBS cyber attack has had far-reaching impacts on meat production around the globe. Chad Smith takes a closer look from Washington.
4: One of the world's largest meat packers recently announced it had been hit by a cyber attack. JBS announced Sunday some of the servers supporting its North American and Australian IT systems were targeted. Scott Bennett, director of congressional relations with the American Farm Bureau Federation, says the company
8: responded immediately. The company took immediate action suspending all of the affected systems, notifying authorities, and activating the company's global network of IT professionals and third-party experts to resolve the situation. The company's backup servers were not affected, and it is actively working with an incident response firm to restore its systems as soon as possible.
4: Bennett says the meatpacking industry could expect disruptions.
8: The company is not aware of any evidence at this time that any customer, supplier, or employee data has been compromised or misused as a result of this situation. The company does state that a resolution of the incident will take time, which may delay certain transactions with customers and suppliers.
4: Bennett says the situation may affect the supply of beef products domestically and internationally.
8: It is concerning whenever we see disruptions in our food supply chain. Certainly the COVID-19 pandemic showed us that last year. We hope the JBS can get up and running as soon as possible. This event has certainly shined a light on how vulnerable even agriculture can be to cybersecurity threats. From Washington,
4: I'm Chad Smith for Texas Ag Today.
5: Fish and Wildlife is once again trying to list the lesser prairie chicken as threatened and endangered. I'm Jessica Domewell, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today.
1: And parasite resistance to dewormers in livestock is becoming more and more common. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: we're keeping you informed on everything happening in texas agriculture on texas ag today
1: parasite resistance to dewormers in our livestock is becoming more and more common and unfortunately it's now affecting the last effective class of equine dewormers veterinarian dr bob judd explains
9: the resistance of parasites to dewormers is a major problem in most livestock species and since the parasites cannot be controlled on some pastures, livestock may not be able to use these pastures for several years. The main parasite that is a concern in horses is the small strongyle, and deworming for this parasite began in the 1960s with a class of dewormer called benzimidazoles, and since this class has been used the longest, resistance to this class began first. Another class is pyrantel and resistance of small strongyles was first reported in 1996. The last class of dewormers are the macrocyclic lactones and consist of ivermectin and moxidectin. And Dr. Martin Nielsen from the University of Kentucky indicated that this class of dewormers is the last resort for controlling small strongiles. This is because there are no new deworming products being developed, and routine data collected from horse farms is showing some resistance to even this last class of dewormers. Moxidectin is more effective than ivermectin, but there is still resistance present. So if the parasites are resistant to all dewormers, what do we do? The only thing we can do is limit deworming and deworm only the horses that need to be dewormed. The days of deworming horses every one to two months are gone, as this only increases resistance on your horse farm. A fecal egg per gram count should be checked on all horses yearly, and only those horses with significant parasitism should be dewormed. And using dewormers that are not effective against the parasites should be discouraged, regardless what the manufacturer of these products claim. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: There's another move to list the lesser prairie chicken as an endangered species. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report.
5: The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is again asking for the public's input on a plan to list the lesser prairie chicken under the Endangered Species Act. The grouse was listed as threatened in 2014, but that listing was removed following a lawsuit in 2015. Fish and Wildlife says its scientific review of threats to the lesser prairie chicken found the grouse's southern population segment is in danger of extinction and the north segment is likely to become endangered in the foreseeable future. FWS's proposal would list the southern area, which includes lesser prairie chicken populations in the southwest Texas Panhandle, as endangered. The northern population area includes the Northeast Texas Panhandle. It would be listed as threatened with rules that tailor protections for the species. Amy Letters, FWS regional director, said the loss of America's native grasslands and prairies has resulted in steep declines for the lesser prairie chicken and other grassland birds. She said for more than two decades, they've supported and encouraged their partners' voluntary conservation efforts, but there's still much to do to ensure the nation has a viable lesser prairie chicken population. Over the past few years, millions of acres of land in the lesser prairie chicken's habitat range has been enrolled in voluntary conservation efforts to protect the grouse's habitat. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association said, Unfortunately, Fish and Wildlife's decision to implement Restrictive Endangered Species Act protections after these conservation partnerships directly disincentivizes continuation of effective conservation partnerships. You can comment on Fish and Wildlife's proposal by searching Lesser Prairie Chicken on regulations.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
1: We saw a nice bounce back in the cattle market on Wednesday, but the grain markets moved lower. We'll take a closer look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
2: Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck, and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to oli.org for info.
0: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We had quite a bounce back
1: in the cattle market on Wednesday after that big drop we saw on Tuesday. We've already been talking about that JBS cyber attack that pressured cattle prices lower Tuesday, turned around Wednesday and took a lot of that back and then some, especially on live cattle. June live cattle up three fifty-seven to close at one seventeen twelve. The August up two sixty-five one nineteen twenty-five. October live cattle up $1.97, dollar ninety-seven one twenty-four ninety. Feeder cattle strongly higher. The August up 317, 152.32. September feeders up 282 at 154.80. October up 240, 156.50. Cash fed cattle trade slow so far this week. We're not expecting to see a lot of cash trade. As we've mentioned, JBS has had a lot of plants shut down, including the one right here in Cactus, Texas this week. So they were all shut down all day on Tuesday and then half a day on Wednesday. So we may not see a whole lot of demand out in the country. We did see some sales in the online Fed cattle exchange Wednesday. 1,255 head of Texas cattle sold in the exchange. Those cattle brought 119 to 119.50. $1, Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up five thirty-two, three thirty-nine eighty-eight. Select up five ninety-nine at three twelve forty-four. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry
10: Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway, it's time to talk to Jody Fry from Producers in Cargill about their Thursday weekly cattle sale. Jody, how did it go?
11: I thought it went pretty well. Drew 1,010 heads compared to about 700 and something last week. Farmed a $2 higher. Is what we're calling these better quality calves and yearlings, slaughter cows and bulls, limited numbers available today. Calling those kind of one to three dollars higher. Better quality steers, four to six hundred pounds from one twenty five up to a high of near one seventy, mostly one thirty to one fifty. Six to eight hundred pound steers, one ten to one fifty five, mostly one twenty five to one forty. Better quality heifer calves, four to six hundred pounds from one ten up to a high of near one forty five, mostly one twenty to one thirty five. Five. Slaughter cows, average to high yielding, 55 to 66. Had several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 68 to a high of 74. Thinner or lower yielding type cows, not too many of those today from 35 to 49. Slaughter bulls, pretty limited test on those. Average to high yielding from 70 to 88. Had a few of the very highest yielding slaughter bulls from 90 up to a high of 102.
10: What do you know for next week?
11: Probably lighter numbers on cattle. Maybe in a range of oh, 750 to 900 hit Thursday.
10: Uh, Give everybody the contact information.
11: Call any of us there at the office, 325-653-3371. My mobile phone would be 325-234-7895.
10: Of course, that's Jody Fry from Producers in Cargyle, San Angelo. They sell cattle every Thursday, sheep and goats on Tuesday. Neighbor, that's it for Walk in the pens. a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If your auction would like to be a part of these reports, just email me, lmarble660 at com For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, good day.
1: Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close lower. June hogs down 37 cents, 118.25. July hogs down a dollar seventeen at one eighteen forty seven. Class three milk slightly higher. June milk up four cents seventeen thirty two. A hundred weight. The cotton market had a big run up on Tuesday. Traders took profits on Wednesday. We ended up closing slightly lower. Traders also keeping a close eye on the West Texas weather situation. We got some really heavy rain in some areas of West Texas over the weekend, including some flooding and hail. So. The question's out there of how that's going to affect getting the rest of this cotton crop in the ground especially with the crop insurance deadline coming up on Friday. July cotton down 48 points closing at 83.77, October down 52 84.84, December cotton down 15 at 84.66. Good rain across the eastern corn belt pressuring corn prices. July corn down 13 and 3 quarters, 675. September corn down eight and three quarters, five ninety-three and a quarter. Some profit taking in the wheat market after the big run up we saw Tuesday. Both hard and soft wheat closing lower. July Kansas City wheat down three and three quarters, six thirty three and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down six, six eighty seven and a half. In the energy markets, July natural gas down three, 307. July crude oil up a dollar two, 68.74 a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher. The Dow up 25 points, 34,600. The Nasdaq up 19 at 13,756. The S&P 500 up six points at 4,208. That wraps up all of our markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. See you next time, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify.